Welcome into 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett. Have just returned from day number two, technically the end of week number two of San Francisco 49ers OTAs. We have so much to discuss today. Jake Moody, he was booting the ball. Trey Lance, what did he do? How did Sam Darnold look? Was Brandon Ayuk cooking? And a lot more to dive into in today's show. So without further ado, my name is Sterling Bennett. This is the 49ers Access Podcast brought to you by SeatGeek. You can use our promo code 49ers Access, 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek.com to save yourself $20 off your first purchase. And look, let's dive right into OTAs in itself. It was the media's second day at OTAs. And last week, a lot of absences. Yesterday, today, not too many. Trent Williams was not there. Nick Posa not there. Both those players not expected to be there almost the entirety of OTAs, but both are expected to return once training camp begins. Also, Elijah Mitchell was not on the field. Not sure if it was an injury or just a rest day. He was not there yesterday. Uh, and then Juwan Jennings, Ray Ray McLeod, and Talanoa Hufanga were all back on the field yesterday. Uh, guys like Mooney Ward and Dre Greenlaw uh, and Debo Samuel also returned. They were all doing individual drills on the side. Quantrez Knight, who had a cast on his hand last week, was back also doing individual drills on the side next to Tashawn Gibson. Uh, Fred Warner still isn't working out, still isn't doing drills during the you know the OTA portion when the media can see, but he was present helping coaching linebackers uh, on the field as well. We got to hear from Drake Jackson and Isaiah Oliver for the first time yesterday. It was great to hear from both of them. Uh, Drake Jackson looks like, I told you last week, he looks like he put on 20, 30 pounds. Uh, He's about 15, but he looks like an entirely different person. He looks built to be you know, the, the defensive end number two across from Nick Bosa. But it was good to hear from you know his perspective. He's a quiet guy. You can tell he's more of a gentle giant. And, uh, you know... He definitely comes across as someone who wants to learn, you know, wants to grind. He even said yesterday that he's falling in love with being in the building and working every single day. And for a second-year player who hit the rookie wall last year, I don't think you can ask for more out of Drake Jackson. Obviously, we'll see what his production is once, you know, pads come on and they can actually make some contact. And then again, preseason and the regular season. But at this moment, right now, the hype around him has never been higher. I think when you hear him speak of, you know, what Chris Kosarek told him, that, look, tell me when you're going to be back in the building. And he has been alongside Drake Jackson the entire time he has returned to the San Francisco 49ers facility. I think big things are in store for Drake Jackson. not going to put a number on it. But from what everyone is, is saying and what Drake Jackson is saying himself and showing us, on the field in very short spurts with no pads on. Uh, Drake Jackson at least looks the part, and you can like you can get the sense that he's taking this much more serious. He talked yesterday about how, you know, seeing Nick Bosa being in shape for the entirety of the season, not losing a step as the season progress, uh, progressed, meant something to him. And it kind of was an eye-opening experience. And so I do think that for Drake Jackson... Um, you know, getting the one year under his belt now, you know, saying, okay, I have to take this really serious. 
I think we're going to at least see from a physical standpoint, his body's not going to give out on him. And he looks like, you know, he looks like an interior guy playing on the edge. Um, Isaiah Oliver, the Niners' new nickel cornerback. Good to hear from him. Him discussing, you know, why he loves to blitz so much and, and the timing of that. Um, I, I do think, and, and he even said himself, that new defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes, uh, they're going to blitz a lot. And having someone like Oliver who loves to blitz, understands the timing of things like that, um, this Niners defense, you know, the swarm mentality is not going away. Like, they are going to be this aggressive defense the entire time on the field, every single position, whether it's the nickel or the defensive ends. Like, Isaiah Oliver is going to be a part of what they want to do defensively, including blitzing, including being aggressive, you know, attacking the quarterback. We saw this team last year. It was basically Nick Bosa and nobody else, despite efforts to, to fix that. Um, I do think that this year it's going to be kind of a, a all-hands-on-deck to help Nick Bosa. I do think it's going to be, you know, how can we alleviate some of the pressure from him? That is, again, starts with Drake Jackson and guys up front. But guys like Isaiah Oliver who can blitz and also help out the defensive line, get to the quarterback, add pressure to guys like Hurts and Mahomes and Burrow and Trevor Lawrence, it's going to be a big deal for this Niners defense this year. So great to hear from both of those guys. Uh, we also got some news about the offensive line yesterday. Basically what was said, and we kind of all assumed this with how San Francisco approached the draft, and while I've said it publicly on the podcast, on YouTube, uh, on Twitter, uh, I thought San Francisco should have drafted a right tackle in the third round and not Jake Moody, um, or even guys like Cameron Latu. Uh, but they didn't, and so the assumed starting lineup was going to be, you know, Burford and McKibbitts on the right side, and they got confirmation yesterday that that is the case. Um, McKibbitts and Burford basically have already cemented themselves as starters. Uh, Burford obviously started the entire year last year with McKibbitts filling in whenever Trent Williams or McGlinchey got hurt. Uh, we've seen McKibbitts over and over and over again fill in in big roles in big games. Um, he's done okay. It's obviously a big year for him, but you can tell that they have confidence in him. To tell him not only, you know, with how they drafted that they believe in him, but now going into the season already, what, you know, two weeks into OTA saying, look, you are starting right tackle. Don't worry about it. Go out there and just grind. Um, we also got some news about Jalen Moore. Uh, he is, at this very moment, the backup left tackle. Um, he's been taking first-team reps with, uh, or excuse me, he's been taking first-team reps in the absence of Trent Williams. Uh, guys like Leroy Watson are taking second-team reps. Uh, undrafted Joey Fisher, uh, he is <laughs> undrafted free agent Joey Fisher. He's going to be a guard, not a tackle. Many people thought that going into training camp and OTAs that he can maybe unseat McKivitz or can be kind of this, you know, steal of the undrafted free agent class this year, which he very well could be. But that's going to be a guard and not tackle, which is where he played in college. Uh, Nick Zakelge took second team snaps at center. They're trying to find a backup center still. Uh, last year it was Brendel and Brunskill. Uh, this year with Brunskill being, I believe, in Tennessee now, it's going to be up to guys like Nick Zakelge to step up and be a big uh, upgrade towards the backup role at center. Uh, John Feliciano, free agent they signed kind of later in the free agency with the Giants last year, is continuing to be the backup right guard, so I'm assuming he will be, you know, what Daniel Brunskill was to this team last year. That's the role he's filled through you know, two practices that the media has seen, that I've seen, and I'm assuming the entire time that, you know, the Niners have been back at Levi Stadium doing practices. 
So John Feliciano back up at right uh, right guard. But what are the highs and lows of week two of NFL training camp? A week two of OTAs, of Niners OTAs. What are the highs? What are the lows? And let me tell you, folks, we have a ton of highs and lows today. We'll dive into the highs first, and I think we couldn't start anywhere else but quarterback Brock Purdy. Uh, we got the news driving in to OTAs yesterday that Brock Purdy is going to and has confirmed to have thrown yesterday and today, that being, I believe it's Thursday, <laughs> June 1st, whatever day it is today. Um, he started throwing yesterday, that being Wednesday, and then today, uh, June 1st. Uh, John Lynch said he was incredibly encouraged by what he saw, and you can tell that there is this constant reiteration that Brock Purdy is this team's starting quarterback. I know what John Lynch said in regards to you know it being an open competition. That very much feels like an open competition to see who can hold the job until Brock Purdy gets back no matter what. Um, every indication I get from the media, but also from, you know, how John Lynch speaks, how Kyle Shanahan speaks, heck, how Brian Schneider, the special teams coordinator, speaks, and even Chris Forrester, the offensive line coach, spoke yesterday, and they all kind of said Brock and the other guys. Um, it's very much, a, in my opinion, and from what I've kind of gained from how they've spoken to the media, is that it's a Brock Purdy-led team. He's the assumed starting quarterback until otherwise proven not to be, which I think many fans and, and myself know that, you know, was going to be the case coming into this year, but... Uh, to me, it kind of seems like, although early on in OTAs, not much has changed in the depth chart, it more so seems that it doesn't really matter what happens in OTAs. It doesn't really matter how Trey Lance or Sam Darnold plays, unless they just come out and, you know, are, are Mahomes-like, um, that this job is Brock Purdy's no matter what, no matter how well, um, again, Lance and Darnold play. Like, Brock Purdy is in the front of Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch's mind, and even guys like, again, you know, Brian Schneider and Chris Forrester being, you know, specific positional coaches, it seems very understood that Brock Purdy is this team's starting quarterback uh, no matter what. And also, keeping going with the quarterback conversation, look, I know they said quarterback competition yesterday. John Lynch did. That very much, again, seems like a, a quarterback competition for who's quarterback number two, not who's quarterback number one. Uh, moving on, though, our second high of the day was Jordan Mason yesterday. He looked phenomenal. Elijah Mitchell, again, was not there for whatever reason. Not sure if it was health concerns, a day off. Could have been anything. Don't want to assume, obviously. Uh, but Jordan Mason looked phenomenal getting first-team reps behind Christian McCaffrey or alongside with him. He had multiple big chunk yard runs. Um, the, the cuts were clean. He was smooth. Uh, and I think... One position battle that I think is often overlooked is running back. Because when you have someone like Christian McCaffrey, you just assume he's obviously you know running back number one, which he is bar none. But I think a, a running back battle really is running back number two. Um, if Elijah Mitchell was indeed hurt yesterday, that would be... You know, he was hurt a lot during training camp last year, missed a large chunk of the season, missed the NFC Championship game... Like, Elijah Mitchell's spot on the roster, I believe, is safe, but his spot in the depth chart is not. And if someone like Jordan Mason continues to shine in the absence of Elijah Mitchell, if he indeed, you know, take a day's off or he's hurt, this could be a big, you know, a big year, a big OTAs and training camp for Jordan Mason to continue to prove that, hey, I belong. 
I know many fans last year wanted him to get more snaps, whether it was late in games, whether it was over certain players, Jeff Wilson Jr. before he got traded, and even when you know, Christian McCaffrey was out there, like, hey, Jordan Mason needs some reps. Many fans believe that to a certain extent I did as well, but I do think that Jordan Mason has a lot to prove still, but if someone like Elijah Mitchell, who has proven to not be able to stay healthy for more than one of what, six, eight weeks, this could be a, a real, really a good chance for Jordan Mason to jump him on the depth chart. He looked good yesterday. Again, it's early. A lot can change. Mitchell can come back and have an amazing training camp and the rest of OTAs, and we're saying never mind here. But I do think that this could be a intriguing position battle to look out for if Mitchell continues to miss time for whatever reason and Mason continues to to shine in his absence. Also, Brandon Ayuk, I mean, look, he's been on the field every single time the media's been there setting the example. You heard him yesterday say, I'm about to take off. You can tell he has a chip on his shoulder. He wants to get paid um, what I believe he is deserved to get paid, um, which is top-tier receiver money after following a 1,000-yard season. Uh, but Brandon Ayuk has been there every single day. He's been grinding hard, and yesterday uh, he he proved why he really is, although not on paper, probably this team's number one receiving target. Um, I know Debo Samuel's there and George Kittle's there, but Brandon Ayuk led this team in targets last year um, with three different quarterbacks, and I wouldn't be surprised if that continues because the work he's putting in, I mean, he made guys like Samuel Womack look silly. Now, yes, Brandon Ayuk and Womack are not on the same level when it comes to ability, but that's what you should do if you are a receiver number one, number two against you know, your cornerback number four. But he made Womack look lost multiple times. It was a route-running clinic by Brandon Ayuk yesterday at, at OTAs. I mean, he was cooking guys left and right. He even said in one of the bigger plays of the day, which we'll get into later when we talk about the quarterbacks, that he ran the wrong route and made up for it and scored a touchdown. Like, that's that's how good he was yesterday. And I do believe that he's going to continue that role and that the ascension of Brendan Ayuk really is not done. Like, there's much more room for him to improve. And yesterday was a very small glimpse of that. Um, on the opposite side, uh, Diamador Lenore. Uh, I, I talked about him last week, how he was a winner last week too. Uh, he, just like last week, loves contact. He is someone who just looks for it every single play. And in drills that you are not supposed to make contact, he continues to find himself making contact. Um, he about ripped off Jawan Jennings' head yesterday on a pass deflection. He almost you know, had a, a horse collar on Ronnie Bell. Like, he's being aggressive to the max. Um, you know, he, he's arguably been, from what we've seen in a very small sample size, the most aggressive player defensively thus far. Um, I do think that, you know, that can be turned against you when it comes to penalties and stuff. But from what he's shown, um, he is not taking, you know, being cornerback to, and even you know, taking maybe being underrated. I know many outlets may not rank San Francisco secondaries very good. I'm sure he's heard some people say, look, we need to upgrade here or there. And I understand that thought process, but I also think that Lenore has looked every bit of what he how or how he ended the season last year he looks like a bona fide cornerback number two and 
on days when Mooney Ward's not practicing, which he hasn't thus far from what I understand and from what I've seen, he's been cornerback number one. And he is shutting down the opposition across from him. Um, he, you know, he looks like the exact same cornerback, if not hyper-aggressive, what we saw to end last season. Our second-to-last high is Jake Moody. Um, he was 4-for-4 four four yesterday with a 53-yard field goal, but to me, that isn't the most impressive part about this. Um, when, Brent, when Brian Schneider, the Niners special teams coordinator, spoke, he could not stop gushing about Jake Moody. He had the perfect pro day. He had the perfect private workout. We loved him, loved everything about him. And it is abundantly clear, just by off what he said, that they love and are in love and deeply in love with Jake Moody. Um, and if you're going to you know, spend a third round pick on a kicker, you better be in love with the guy. Because if you're not, I mean, you're in a nightmare scenario there. Many fans, without even seeing Moody complain about everything, and including myself, was like a kicker in the third round. Um, but I do think that if, like, from what I've seen, and again, a very small sample size, uh, Jake Moody yesterday, if you've been to the practice field, you'd know, you know, how far that fence is from where the kickers kick. Um, but he was almost kicking balls over the practice field fence. Like, they were hitting the fence on a fly. And that was 15 yards past the, the uprights. He was kicking balls 60 yards through the air. And we talked about it, I don't know, a month ago maybe, where you have a kicker like that who can, you know, hit a 60-yard or hit a 55-yard or, you know, no problem. It not only gives the head coach more confidence to go out there and kick field goals, not punt on fourth and two on your 34 or the opposition's 35-yard line, but also with a minute to go at halftime, hey, we have no timeouts. Let's try to make something happen here and go get three points and go to halftime. Um, Jake Moody from, again, small sample size, he's got a boot. And we knew that coming in. They said they tried out 27 kickers. 27 kickers. And he was this kind of perfect specimen, perfect match for them. And, and, and again, Brandon Schneider said that, I told him, I don't care where you pick him, but he's the guy. And again, third round pick, that could be <laughs> quite the reach whenever his career does, you know, the first kick he makes onto the end of his career. But, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him to come in and perform following Robbie Gold's tenure here. Very successful. But also, again, you're a third-round pick kicker. You better freaking go out there and kick, you know, 60-yard field goals and hit a bunch of game winners. But yesterday, he looked like the guy. He's poised, under pressure. Uh, Brandon Schneider said that he had the perfect workout. So I, Jake Moody is a high, high, high up um, on the, the highs and lows this week. Um, he had a great, great day of training camp, great day of OTAs. Zane Gonzalez, I'm sorry. Uh, you are a camp body until further notice. Uh, go out there and kick practice kicks for all I care. Jake Moody is the guy and looks really, really good as the kicker. But one of, probably the most uh, interesting portion of OTAs was not involving a player, was not involving really a play, Um the media stands on the sideline of the field and they watch and they can record some things, but, you know, as soon as, like, the fourth period hits, you, you can't record anymore. And so we're all kind of sitting there talking, observing plays, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what's our takeaway from this. And, you know, I was talking to Larry Kruger on the sideline and discussing, okay, like, what do you look for in all this stuff being a former scout? And we're kind of talking, and all of a sudden, all the plays stop 
and we all just kind of turn like, what? What's happening over there? Like, what's going on over there? <laughs> and all of a sudden, we see Kyle Shanahan in who we didn't know at the time, the NFL Player Association rep, Dwayne Allen, and he is screaming in this guy's face, get the F off my field, I don't give an F who you are, get the heck out of here, like, and he's just screaming at this guy, Dwayne Allen is, is screaming back at him, you know, what I can assume, trying to explain to him that, hey, I'm the Player Association rep, like, I'm supposed to be here, and I think with the, with the instigating you know, incident was, is that Allen stepped on the field. If you're part of the media, if you're a guest, you cannot step past a certain line. Now, a player rep has a lot more, you know, ability and a lot more leeway in that, but I believe it had something to do with some contact Lenore had made with Bell or Jennings on a play, and, or maybe the offensive line being on the field too much. I'm not sure, I don't want to speculate, but if it was a contact-related issue, I can see that being more likely. But Dwayne Allen steps closer to the field. Shanahan looks and is like, who the heck is that guy? Like, he's not supposed to be here. I'm going to go give him the freaking business. And so Shanahan walks over there again, screaming, get the F off my field. I don't give an F who you are. And Allen's like, dude, I'm from the Player Association. He's like, I don't give an F who you think you are. Get off my field. Um, but the funniest part is we've all seen Kyle Shanahan give like his stare back to the referees if he's yelling at somebody. You know, the evil glare he has. Uh, he gave, like, a 250-pound man that stare. And Shanahan's a small guy. He's tall, but he's a really small guy. But he's really feisty. And it makes me not ever want to be a quarterback. Obviously, I won't be. But I don't envy the quarterbacks in that system, in that room, if, if Kyle Shanahan's yelling at them. And, you know, talking to, you know, and overhearing people, like, that's the craziest thing we've ever seen. I've covered this team for 20 years. I've never seen that before. And uh, it was funny because... <laughs> Um, Shanahan, when Dwayne Allen said, like, I'm from the Player Association, when he said, I don't give an F who you are, <laughs> Allen said it again and was like, and Shanahan responded and said, then introduce yourself next time. <laughs> don't just come up to me and start, you know, talking to me. And it was simultaneously one of, like, okay, this is the craziest thing I've seen in my short time covering the team and being in practices, but... That may have been one of the funniest things I've ever seen uh, happen on a football field. I mean, it was, like, you may expect that from a high school team, maybe a college team. Like, I covered college sports where I went, and I've heard coaches yell at, you know, media members and just, you know, students trying to cover the team for the journalism class. You know, I had a, I had a coach tell one of my friends, you know, ask better questions next time. And, you know, you're learning as a journalist, you know, and, and trying to get your degree in journalism. So you'll take that and go, okay, like, what can I do better? But seeing Kyle Shanahan scream and yell at a player association rap, you're like, holy, like, what the heck is going on over there? But that may have been the most exciting thing, I think, of the entire day of OTAs and arguably the last, you know, the, fir the first two weeks of OTAs as far as Kyle Shanahan reaming you know, someone from the NFLPA who would seem like trying to protect one of the players, a part of it. And so it was interesting. They, they buried the hatchet behind the scenes and, and then they talked it over. And obviously, you know, both sides can do better in that case. But just being there and seeing everyone be like, what the heck was that? I don't know what that was. <laughs> like, I've never seen that before. Um, Kind of let everyone like, oh, okay. And the coaches were like, all right, let's get back to practice now. Everyone forget what you just saw. And so it was one of those moments where you're just like, was that supposed to happen? Does he know that guy? And 
John Lynch walked over and talked to him, and they kind of smoothed things over, and Shanahan talked to him behind the scenes. So, uh, you know, it's it's all good there, but in a in a very small microcosm of that that instant, it was like, I don't know what's happening, but this is awesome. <laughs> it really was, and kind of like, okay, like, how do we go from here? Do we go back to practice? Do we just move on? Should we address it? And, you know, they buried the hatchet and whatever, but it was definitely one of the more funny things to see, and one of the more interesting highlights of uh, day week two of OTAs at Niners training camp and OTAs. Um, let's get to our lows, though. I think, what is one of the one thing, or one of the one things, if that makes sense, that Kyle Shanahan hates? One is fumbles, there are plenty of those, and two is drops. And we know he is the hardest on receivers, whether it was Dante Pettis, or Brandon Ayuk, or Danny Gray. There is a long track record of Kyle Shanahan being extremely hard on his receivers. And seeing what happened yesterday, as there were what? There were five drops that I counted. Uh, there were two from Ronnie Bell, one of those, or two of those were from Trey Lance uh, as the quarterback, but two drops by Ronnie Bell. Danny Gray had another drop. Chris Conley, a veteran, had a drop from Sam Darnold. And then Ronald, uh, I believe it's Watt. he had one as well. So he had f- f- five drops on the field. That can't happen. I know it's OTAs, but it's not like a lot of these balls were bad. Some weren't great, I'll admit that. But Chris Conley and Ronnie Bell had balls hit them right in the hand, and they just dropped them. Um, you want to find your way into the doghouse pretty quick, drop football. Drop the ball, you're in the doghouse really fast under Kyle Shanahan, so that's a low. Five drops are kind of, you know, it, it can kind of throw a quarterback off his rhythm. You know, it, you, and when you're trying to practice, you know, you want to be perfect, obviously, but you also want to grow. And when you drop a ball, it's almost like a wasted rep, essentially. Um, it's not because there's routes involved and, like, someone can glean off of it. The defense can definitely, you know, go, okay, how can we get better in coverage, but... You know, when you drop that ball as a young player like Bell, or even a veteran like Conley trying to make this team, like, it's going to knock you down the pecking order even further, and there is no promise any of those guys make this team, so it wasn't a problem for Bell last week, but kind of was a major problem this week. Chris Conley's had drops in back-to-back practices that the media has seen, um, so not great there. Um, a couple bad snaps as well in our second low of week two of Niners OTAs. Nick Zakelge, again, he, he's learning to play center. He was an interior guy, also played tackle at Fordham. Like, he's learning really an, an entirely new position on the field. But he had two bad snaps, led to two fumbles, two dead plays. Again, wasted reps. Um, one of them, Trey Lance could have saved, but it was so low. Catchable still, but it was low at his ankles. Not going to fault him for that, but... Gotta get those up. He knows that. Uh, Chris Forrester said, hey, we had a couple bad snaps today. Nick knows that. Those have to get up. If you want to be a backup center, like, the last thing you want if you're Nick Zakelge is to say, look, if Brindle goes down, I can't be trusted to snap the football. And with more time, with more reps, that'll change. But, again, don't want to waste that. Don't want to have any doubt creep into a head coach or a coach's brain, because if it does, all of a sudden, they got to bring in somebody else to be our backup center, then you lose some spots on the depth chart, and things can go south from there. I think he'll pick it up, but could be something to look out for. I know last year, Brunskill had the issue 
when he was trying to go from right tackle and guard to center. He cleaned things up later on in OTAs and training camp, but it was abundantly clear Brendel was the starter. Same thing this year, Brendel is obviously the starter this year, so there isn't too much pressure on Nick Zakelge. He got some time last year, late in the year on the active roster. Uh, I'm assuming he wants to be on the active roster every single day. Bad snaps aren't going to do that for you, but I am fully expecting with more reps and more time that to get cleaned up. Uh, Samuel Womack kind of already talked about it earlier in the Brandon Ayuk highs and lows, but he got cooked two or three times, and I have high hopes for him. I think, you know, a lot of fans attached to him in the preseason last year, he had a couple interceptions, um, and many fans said, that's the guy, wow, they have a steal, and I still like him. Uh, he found his kind of bread and butter and his money on special teams last year, but yesterday against one of the, if not the best route running receiver in the NFL, Brandon Ayuk, uh, he looked lost. Um, now against other receivers, not so bad, but he was primarily you know li lined up against Ayuk, and it wasn't pretty. Uh, there were a handful of plays where Womack was spun around, lost his footing, and Ayuk was kind of just toying with him, uh, it, it felt like. And, and so for a player like Womack, who who really is, you know, the fourth, fifth guy on the depth chart, um, not a great not a great day from what I can tell um, from Samuel Womack. He's going to make this team, no doubt about it, but when you have guys, you know, there's a handful of cornerbacks trying to make this team. And you have Mooney Ward, and you have Lenore, and you have Oliver, and you have Amber Thomas trying to fight for a spot, and you have Womack still there, and, you know... You would assume those are the five, um, but there ain't no promises here. And if you're, like, Amber Thomas is already on the roster bubble. We already, you know, discussed that a couple weeks ago. Um, Womack ain't there yet, and I don't think he'll be there at all because he has more value on special teams. But you continue to struggle in coverage, you're not going to see the field when someone goes down, or at least when someone does go down. There may be a, okay, you're the emergency guy, but, you know, once the week comes and, and we're past that week, we have to go find somebody else. And so, he's a young player. He's playing the outside after last year, playing nickel and special teams. I'm assuming he'll be okay. And look, the great thing about OTAs is that when you mess up against one of the top, you know, receivers in football, you can learn. And I think many fans don't see that sometimes. They go, oh, he stings, he sucks, he's over with, or even, you know, vice versa. Oh, he looks amazing. And it's a ball against no defense. And so um, I think Womack will learn from this. He's a young player. Um, they obviously like him enough for to, to, to give him first-team reps in the absence of Mooney Ward. So that's a good sign. <laughs> so uh, I, I hope he takes advantage of that. I think he will eventually. Um, but he's likely going to be a special teams guy in the fourth, fifth corner no matter what. But again, the more reps you get... The less green you get, the better you get. Womack didn't have a great game yes or great day yesterday. Expecting better from him in the future. Uh, our last low of the day, and this is what everyone wants to discuss. It's I was posting videos on Twitter and people were going crazy. Oh my God, he looks amazing. That throws behind him. Whatever. Everybody wants to discuss Trey Lance, and I get it. That's who I want to talk about, but. The issue with Trey Lance and the conversation around him is there's two just insane sides of I'm a fanboy and I'm a hater. And, you know, I'm right there in the middle. 
I want to win football games, whether it was Jimmy or Purdy or Lance. Yes, you can criticize every single one of them. Yes, you can have your opinion on every single one of them. Uh, I wanted to draft Trey Lance. I had faith in Trey Lance last year, although there were concerns of accuracy. Um, it's a coming into this year, we've already discussed in previous shows, that look, if the mechanics are fixed, he has to go out there and prove that he's the guy. And really this conversation of a quarterback competition, I don't, I don't think it should be Lance against Purdy. Uh, that's not what Lance is facing. Lance is facing Sam Darnold. And so his job is, I have to beat Sam Darnold. Because if I don't, if Shanahan feels more comfortable playing Sam Darnold, I'm not going to start. I'm going to be quarterback number three on the depth chart. Um, now, you can hate that all you want. I would not love that because of the investment they have in Trey Lance. But, I'm sorry. <laughs> if, if Sam Darnold's the better quarterback on the field, then that that you know so be it right like you have to play the best player um and i think shanahan thinks that too um there's a reason sam darnold's here i don't think it's to be a starter um i think it is to be a backup quarterback now what's trey lance here for he's supposed to be the guy and he hasn't been for the past two years now that's not entirely his fault but you know again like i said earlier there is a real indication that no matter what happens in training camp what happens in otas that the battle for quarterback is just for quarterback number two. That Brock Purdy already has this job, whether he's ready to go by week one or not. Once he comes back, he's the guy. Um, now, whenever that happens, we shall see. But that seems to be the indication I'm getting from how all the coaches are talking, how John Lynch is talking as well. Um, but discussing Trey Lance just yesterday, uh, I think Trey Lance lost yesterday. Um, I thought he won, you know, won, quote-unquote, won the quarterback competition last week against Sam Darnold in our one day there. I thought he, he looked better than him. Um, I thought he looked a little hesitant at first, um, and Darnold looked a, a little kind of, you know, eyes wide open, you know, he's doing a Cree, you know, eyes wide open. Um, he looked a little kind of, you know, shocked of, I'm trying to learn this new system, but you know, after a week, two weeks in, I, I hate to say, at least in a one-practice example, that being yesterday, that Trey Lance did look like the worst quarterback between him and Sam Darnold. Um, and, and to explain my point is that something just feels off about Trey Lance. I was there last year in training camp in OTAs, as much as I could be, and yes, there were concerns of accuracy. Yes, there was, okay, the more reps he plays, the better he'll get. That doesn't seem to be the case with him anymore. And again, maybe it is because of the indications I'm getting and because of, you know, how everyone's talking about the quarterbacks where, you know, it's kind of a locked up, you know, sealed kind of thing. It is Brock Purdy's job. So what is Lance really fighting for here? Like that, that may be just my thought, but something, there seems to be a disconnect between when Trey Lance hikes the football and, and the decisions that he makes. So what I mean by that is last week it felt like he was being hesitant to make sure that, you know, he made the right play or, you know, he was trying to get his feet back under him. This week felt like 
he really just didn't want to pull the trigger on certain throws. Like, Trey Lance's best throw was an accident yesterday. Um, it was a 40-yard touchdown pass that Brendan Ayuk ran the wrong route on. That's not a, that's not Lance's fault by any means, but his best play was an accident. And, you know, like, you can't really give someone credit for, you know, Brandon Ayuk making up for Ayuk's mistake, right? Like, that's not Lance's fault, but can you give him that much credit? Um, I'm not sure. But, okay, 40-yard touchdown, that's great. He was showing the willingness, just in that one play, to throw the thing down the football field. That was not the case the rest of his throws. I know many fans are saying, he was 6-12, and 12. his completion percentage was 50%. I don't really care about that. He had three drops. He would have been 9-12, for 12, 75%. Not a big deal to me. What is a big deal to me? And this is the one thing I'm worried about in seeing Trey Lance just for two days of practice. He seems tepid. He seems hesitant to throw the football Timing is off with receivers. He just looks like someone who, as soon as he hikes the football, his brain disconnects. He goes through every single progression and doesn't throw the football and then gives it to his dump-off guy and is like, okay, plays over with, but the dump-off gets laid out by an incoming defensive back. Like, timing seems off with him and Danny Gray. There was a play yesterday where he goes through his whole progressions, looks to his dump-off receiver, his check-down guy, and Gray isn't even looking at him. Now, that is probably on Gray, but timing seems off. It seems like Lance is going through things either too fast or too slow, depending on the play. Um, there were some plays, there were guys open over the middle. He wasn't throwing the ball there, um, whereas Sam Darnold was. And I know, you know, Sam Darnold's physical traits may not excite people, but... Shanahan said himself, it's the guy who's making the, you know, the QB1, the game day play. And at this moment, two practices in that we've seen, I don't think that's been Trey Lance. I think that's been Sam Darnold. Now, I hate saying that. I, I really do because of what the investment they have in him. But you know, Trey Lance has not looked amazing. There are some inconsistencies with the accuracy. Something still seems off. I don't know, and, and it could be this. It could be that with his mechanical fixes, he's trying to make sure that he you know, gets every throw mechanically perfect. His base, his elbow, his arm, his release, his follow-through. That could be it. And it's so hard to, you know, dissect what the coaches want a player to go through. Because... Unless I stop practice and say, hey, Kyle Shanahan, what's this drill for? Or, or what is that particular person trying to improve upon? We're never going to know. And so it's always hard to dissect things and kind of trying to, you know, get an opinion on something that we know, you know, 10% of, 30, 40, even 50% of. And so for Trey Lance's case, I don't want to knock on him. He's still a young player, but in a very short to practice, you know, when do we've seen him, you know, it just feels like, and I really can't put my finger on it, I, I just can't, it seems like it could be five different things that could be the case, but whether it's timing, whether it's a mechanical thing, whether it's an accuracy thing, whether it's the coaches saying, hey, you don't have to be perfect here, 
while we work on XYZ. Maybe that's the case. But it just seems like there is an unwillingness to consistently throw the football. Um, it just seems like that uh, that Trey Lance does seem a little timid. That for a young player that has his physical traits, sling that thing. Play free. You have nothing to lose. And it does seem like he's playing a little rigid. Which is funny because didn't we see when 11 on 11 drills begin, which is where the examples of like what I'm discussing here is that Sam Darnold got first team reps and many fans are losing their mind. Oh my goodness. Well, Kyle Shanahan said, hey, they are going to share first team reps. Last week was Lance's time during media sessions. This week was Darnold's time. Um, and I think it's, it's no, you know, there's no mistake as to why I think Darnold and Lance looked better with the first teams like Lance looked better last week Darnold looked better this week like that's just the case because they're playing with better talent around them whether it's CMC or Ayuk or or Jennings or whatnot like better talent around you likely means you're gonna be playing better um and Darnold had the ability to throw to Ayuk three four times who's wide open because he cooked Womack right where Lance had guys like Chris Conley and you know Ronnie Bell and so that could play a factor into all of this context matters um but, you know, people want to make a big deal of completion percentage. It's not a big deal. Like, I put on Twitter the video of the, the throw of George Kittle to, from Lance to Kittle. Everyone, oh, it's behind him. Look, that's a drill. It's one throw. It is a microcosm of, you know, one thing. That is not the entirety of the picture. It doesn't tell the entire story here. And I think the best example of this, of as a media member who covers the team, we don't see everything. Fans see less than what we see at practice. You're reliant on myself and others to tell you and show you, hey, this is what we're seeing from here, from practices. Here's what you're missing out on. But the reality of it is, even myself and others who go to these things, we are also missing out on stuff. So yesterday, Brandon Ayuk said that Jair Brown, rookie safety, he has three or four interceptions. Um, he has not had any of those in the the media available practices. So that right there is an example of, look, Trey Lance could have looked not great yesterday, but he could have looked freaking awesome the other four days and vice versa. Sam Darnold could have looked good yesterday and bad the rest of the practices. So it's kind of hard for us to judge, okay, like we're only seeing part of the picture. And so... I can only give you the picture I'm seeing, which isn't the full picture. Um, but from what I've seen, Trey Lance did not look great yesterday. He just didn't. Um, there was a lot of things that were off. Accuracy balls were kind of behind receivers. Um, some drops, yes, but he almost got Ty Davis Price and in a game would have got him killed. Like, legit would have got him killed. Um, again, similar play to Danny Gray. Going for a check down, you know, goes through the progressions, goes through the check down, um, and there's a cornerback right there, and TDP has to slide, drops the football, and in a game, like, my only thought is that's Bobby Wagner, that's pick any other, you know, nickel cornerback or, or safety coming down hard, uh, night, night, Ty Davis Price, night, freaking night, TDP, like, your days, your number, <laughs> like, Good night. And 
again, like people want to talk about medicine balls, like, and that's what I'm kind of get at here is that, you know, Shanahan's offense is very much and heavily tied to timing. I know fans didn't love Jimmy Garoppolo for, you know, for a handful of reasons. You cannot tell me that he wasn't, like his best strength may have been timing. Um, Across the middle, you know, he was one of the best quarterbacks in football. He lived there. He lived over the middle. Um, And so for Lance, he's not living over the middle. Okay, that's fine. Like he's going to, probably want to throw it deeper and on the outside more. That's fine. That's what fans want to see. But in Shanahan's offense, it does more so seem like that the timing of the offense at this very moment is not Lance's strength. Where I'm not sure if it's the receivers he's playing with again when you have guys like Gray and Bell and Conley, two of them in their first year of the system, things are going to be off. And Darnold yesterday, having, again, Jennings and and Ayuk, they've been there for a handful of seasons. They know where they need to be at the right time. Um, And so maybe that hurts Trey Lance in in this case. Maybe it does. But even when Lance had Ayuk in last last week's practice, things still seemed a little off. And, you know, I could forgive it last week because, okay, it's his first practice that we've seen He's still kind of reacclimating himself to being on the practice field and whatnot um, and being in the offense again. But this week, you've had two weeks now. It's not a long time, but it's long enough for some of those things to be corrected. Um, I know, like, his ankle's fine. His finger's fine. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what could be limiting him. You know, It does seem like, again, that... You know the old saying when you plug it in, plug it in, I don't don't know what it was for, like an air freshener or whatever. It does seem like that plug has been disconnected once that the play is snapped. We're okay, the ball snapped, do I go one, two, three, four, uh, 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 throw it here. Well, when you throw it to the check down guy and there's a cornerback right in front of him, it's it's not a good thing. And so, again, there's so much context. I'm not going to kill the kid for making mistakes. If you're going to make them, make them now. Just like Womack and, and TDP and plenty of other players, Nick Zakels, like, I am fully expecting Trey Lance to go out there and be better and become better. And once OTAs are wrapped up and once training camp starts, to be better. But from what I'm seeing currently, he won last week. He lost this week. Um, now, I think what is one thing we have to look out for and it's hard to tell, hard to see, because we don't get to be there every single day as the media. Once training camp, yes, but OTAs, we don't get to be there. Um, is And Drake Jackson said this plenty of times in his press conference yesterday. It's about stacking days. Um, and Trey Lance, from what we've seen, has not stacked days. Um, guys like Ayuk have. Guys like Mason have. Um, Jake Moody has. Not Trey Lance. And I think that that might be concerning. Where many fans in 2021 said he should have started from day one. Let Garoppolo go. Last year, that was the plan. We know what happened. He hasn't had the chance to be on the field consistently. And so, we can only see him in practice. And when you haven't had the reps, 
when you haven't had the ability to see the field day in, day out for weeks and months and, and years on end, there is going to be inconsistencies. My concern is the inconsistencies that he has and has had his entire time in OTAs, in training camp, and his small time on the field have not changed and might be what holds him back. Because if his timing's off, it's a pick. If his timing's off, you know, on a crosser over the middle, his guy's getting killed. That's an incompletion. Um, whereas guys like Sam Darnold, you know, his timing does look a little better. Now, again, we will know so much more once training camp and OTAs, you know, have wrapped up and preseason starts. We have a, you know, a much more clear picture as to what he looks like. But at this moment, I think it's neck and neck, but I would not be surprised if... If, if things ended today, I think it's Sam Darnold's job. The great thing is, it doesn't end today. Brock Purdy still isn't healthy. Yes, he is throwing. Yes, it's a huge deal. Yes, it might give San Francisco you know, a sigh of relief of, oh, thank God our quarterback might be healthy. But he may not be. There could be a setback. And someone like Trey Lance has the perfect opportunity to step up and stack days. He has to stack days. Um... To end today's show, I do want to let you know that you can, again, use our promo code 49ERSACCESS, 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek.com. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase. If you want to go to Niner games this year, if you're a Raider fan, I don't know why you'd be, but if you are, you want to go to any NFL game, any baseball game, any NBA final games, if you're a Heat fan or a Nuggets fan, Use our promo code and save yourself $20 off at SeatGeek.com. Also, use our Fanatics link either in the top corner of the YouTube stream or in the description below. Support the show and buy yourself some Niners gear to, again, make you look good and help the show as well. To keep up to date on everything revolving around this team, you know, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram, you can follow us on social media. The Instagram is 49ers.access. The Twitter is 49ers underscore access. I am hoping to go to OTAs every single day. They're open to the media. And if I do, you'll see plenty of videos and updates on my social media. I'm hoping to go to every single training camp and same goes there as well. If you want complete access to the San Francisco 49ers OTAs and training camps and hopefully even preseason, you are going to want to follow us on social media. That being said, my name is Sterling Bennett. This has been my takeaways from San Francisco 49ers week two of OTAs. This has been the 49er Access Podcast, and until next time, stay faithful.